Hey everyone, this is Andrew, and this is the Leave Your Shoes by the Door podcast, and today I'm joined by Joe, Joe Gray. Thanks for being here, Joe. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So, a little bit about you is that you're into sports, but you're not one of those spectator sports fans. You don't uh, have an NFL pass where you get to watch all the NFL games. You're not a big season ticket holder. You're a participant, which I think is a very important distinction between being a sports fan is as a spectator or as a participant. Absolutely. I'm a poor spectator. I, uh, yeah, no season tickets. I have gone sometimes like two years at a time without watching a football game on TV. Uh, I don't watch any basketball, baseball, anything like that, but generally I'm going to be playing sports three days a week. All right, so the marquee event in the sporting world, the, the end-all, be-all event of the sporting world is the Super Bowl. Now, I'm watching this Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is so much more than just a football game. It's it's this massive cultural thing. I like to think it's it's almost like a summary of American culture in that year. But if you had the ability to switch out the game being played, now all the exposures there, all the attentions there, all the money's there, the marketing, all that stuff is there. It's just it's with a different sport being played. What would you want that sport to be? Um, so two things. If it, if it was happening in the U.S., it was an annual thing, um, I would like to be see it be something completely random. Uh, I, I love to play dodgeball. Mm-hmm. So if we could make it just like one big dodgeball now, tournament. Now, this isn't some vanity thing so that you get a billion eyes. You just love the game of dodgeball so yes. much. You don't even have to be part of it. I don't even have to be. I mean, I probably would be because... Uh, yeah, I'm clearly one of the best in the country, so I should yeah. be out there. And we'll, we'll fact check you on that after this interview. To make no sure need to are. fact check this. <laughs> opinions are fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think as far as the Super Bowl and kind of all the exposure it gets and everything, I think the solution is already there because I'm, I'm also a big soccer fan. Sure. And the World Cup. Let's go back to dodgeball. Yes. So dodgeball is now the most watched sporting event that Sunday night. Is there a specific rule? Is there a, a universal code to dodge? I don't, dude. I don't know anything about dodgeball. Um, it's fun, but I've never played like a very structured, systemic. Yeah, there, there's rule. a bunch. There's a bunch of different ways to play. Is there uh, positions? There, there's kind of positions, but uh, you know, like people have their regular places they play. So. You know, so you got like certain people that they they only play the middle, and you got other people they only play the wings, and mm-hmm. they you know they stand a certain way, they attack a certain way. Um, there's a lot of strategy in dodgeball, but uh, you'll have little rule changes depending on the league and throughout the country. Of yeah, you know sometimes you're allowed to use the ball to block another oh, ball. Yeah. Sometimes the ball's a part of you, so if it hits it, you're out. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's a rubber ball. Hold on, where's your stance on ball ball protecting? Ball? I love to be able to block. I think that's a yeah. yeah. I want I want to charge at somebody yeah. and just you know block their ball down and then just yeah. light them up from like five feet away. <laughs> so, so let me let me ask you something though. You said that. There's players who play like inside the court versus players who play outside. So when you're talking about, we'll, we'll just go back to football. You know, obviously, you're, if you're a bigger person, you're going to be on the line. If you're fast, tall, lanky, you're probably going to be a wide receiver. So is mm-hmm. there a different physical characteristic that you would want the guys in the inside versus the guys on the outside? Um, what, 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 what's yeah, the... I, I think normally you just see your your harder throwers are on the outside because okay. yep, you, sure. you like to be able to snipe sure. from the outside. Sure. So. So your harder throwers will be out there, but not necessarily a, a certain body type yeah. on it, though. Okay. All right, so in Joe's perfect world, Sunday night. Sunday night dodgeball.
Yeah. All right, man. So you're a realtor on the west side. Yes. Are you primarily in Hendricks? Uh, yeah, so I live in Hendricks County, based out of Hendricks County, and we're we're all over the place. We do a pretty good amount of business in Pike, uh, but then other than that, it's just kind of really spread out. So we're I, I would say we're we're to the point of where like sixty percent of our business is probably in Hendricks County now. We being home wise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, tell me tell me the story, man. How'd you get into being a realtor? Um. So. Got into being a realtor uh, growing up. My my parents always had rental properties. Okay, sure. And um, and so they they worked. Uh, my dad worked at GM. My mom worked at St. Vincent's, and they had rental properties. And you know, just seeing kind of how that worked and the value of the houses going up. How did they get, they get in. into that? Uh, you know, I really don't know. Huh? I I don't know what it was that. So this is probably 70s, 80s that they were... I, w- I was born in 83, so okay. so I would say they probably started... They probably got their first rental, like, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and do you think they went to... I mean, at that point, it's it's a side hustle, right? That wasn't yeah. the primary source of income, so I wonder if they went to, like, a convention or you know someone said that this is yeah yeah to that's, make some money or that's a good question maybe we maybe we just call my parents get you want to call them your phone, phone right, right now, now is yeah. be like you're on a podcast yeah, yeah. why did you get into rentals is your son the greatest dodgeball player in the and, country oh right yeah you, i mean you are being recorded and right? if they say no to that <laughs> we're definitely editing this out <laughs> and we'll do a take two like mom <laughs> yeah tell them i'm the best <laughs> um but yeah, I, I don't know why they got into the the rentals on it. But growing up, I always you know like I saw that and you know and and it, they they always made it a point to drive around and pick up the rent checks. Mm-hmm. So you know just riding around with mom on a random day and all these people are just handing her money. It's like well, this is a great what's idea. Not, what's not to like about that? Yeah. So um, so I knew that I always wanted to have rental properties. I did not ever really consider being a realtor, Mm -hmm. but I knew I wanted my real estate license to be able to, to buy my own houses, research my own houses, do do that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so getting out of college, I actually, I had some friends from college that were, they were doing stuff in real estate with investments. So let, let me ask you something. Yeah. You're 18 years old. You're deciding to go mm-hmm. to college. Did, did you go to college for entrepreneurship? or what, what? Well, so initially I went actually to get uh, to become a gym teacher. Oh, sure. Okay. Kinesiology? And, and n- not even that impressive, yeah. you know? <laughs> that, that would have been like the science of being a gym teacher. <laughs> I just wanted to play dodgeball and hit little kids. Hey, dude, that's, there's that's, nothing wrong with that's that. That's all man. I wanted to do. Yeah. If you and, love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. so so I I went that path, and then uh, you know it was one of those things. I was I the first semester I was doing it, and and I was looking at everything. And good lord, do you have to go to school for a long time to be a gym teacher? Sure, it is. I was really surprised. It's like you have to take summer class almost every year, and it was still going to take like five and a half years to get a degree. Sure, um, because the problem is. You take some of these fun classes, yeah. you know, like, you know, dancing and running, you know, yeah. like all these exercise yeah. classes. But the problem is all of those classes are only like one and two credit oh, yeah. classes. Yeah, so right. you still need 126 credits, yeah. but instead of every class being three credits, every class was one and two credits. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, so I did that for, for like a year, decided I didn't want to do it, switched to business. 
um, was did really well in business. And then I just I had a moment in accounting class where I had a question. And luckily, one of my friends' sister was a really high up accountant at the Indianapolis airport. Mm-hmm. And we we called her to ask her a question on something, and she was just like, "I don't know the answer. I have software that does that. Like what? Like why would I ever have to worry about that?" Yeah. And so really looking at the stuff that you learn in a lot of the business classes, it just felt like it was a lot of, you know, theory things and, and stuff that if I just went and job shadowed somebody for, you know, a couple months, I probably would learn a lot of the important management things. Yeah. Uh, so right then I made a decision and was like, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to pay the money to go to college, I'm going to come here to actually get an education. Yeah. And if if at any point I ever think I need to take this because it would be good on a resume, yeah, I'm there for the wrong reasons. Yeah, um, yeah, and so yeah, so it was really important. So actually, I am becoming a history major because I just I really enjoyed history. I loved everything about it. Uh, but it, yeah, after that point, it really changed my perspective on things. Like I got mad when I would go to a history class that I was really excited to learn about and wanted to participate in. But my class was filled with people that were there because it was a required class. So yeah. instead of, you know, 10 people having a great conversation and debate, there's 100 people in there with 90 of them on their phones and yeah. not paying attention and turning it into just a big lecture hall. So, man, it sounds like right off the bat, even when you were 18, 19, 20, you were a type who you were driven by passion. Yeah, just... I mean, that's... Yeah, just the, the passion of things and, and just, yeah, and starting, once I decided at, I was not no, going to get a business degree, I knew I was going to run my own business. Well, and I'm, I'm at, at no point during this whole discussion have you said, well, I was told I'd make the most money if I got a business degree. Yeah, this. yeah. It was, I called that the, the my friend's sister, you know, it wasn't even like, yeah, dude, she made $80,000 a year. I don't care what she said. I just want her job. Yeah. I <laughs> so I think that that's... Something worth acknowledging, man. Yeah, yeah. Money was never really a big driver in any of it. Um, yeah. it. It really was just. I knew I wanted to run my own business. Yeah. And 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 build something, whatever it was. Now, if that meant making the same income I could have made if I would have just got my accounting degree and went and worked for a company. Yeah. Great. If it meant making a lot more, great. Uh, but it, but it, I really had that mindset. I told a lot of people in college, I, you know, they were like, well, what are you going to do with a history degree? What what kind of job are you going to get with that? Yeah. And, and I just told people, I was like, if, if at any point I ever need a resume, then I, I failed at what I was trying to do anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never plan on interviewing to turn in a resume. Sure, so, sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's so it was kind of like that path on it. And so graduating college... I had some friends that started an investment uh, company, and they were actually they were doing rent to own houses. So this was this was around two thousand six, and they were doing rent to own deals. And going into it, it was it was a great dream that they had, and the way they had it set up, it was it was really going and finding people that were really responsible, good with their money, but they just had one bad event. Hey, you know, they had could happen to any of us. Yeah, they had a medical issue. Yep. They had, you know, a death in the family. They, you know, something, so divorce, something along those happens where it was like it was a very clear history of yeah. you did great right up into this, yep. and then you've been doing great ever since then. Absolutely. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, is it it during that time you could get really good prices on foreclosures 
So they were buying houses really cheap, fixing them up, and then uh, doing rent to owns to people. Were they fixing them up or were they outsourcing the, the Um they, they had a contractor crew sure. that was going in fixing them up. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I went to work with them. I did a combination of, of helping them to buy the houses. So I got my real estate license, uh, helped them to buy the investment, probably the foreclosures. And I also uh, was working with the buyers. And I, and I had a lot of great experiences of working with people and helping people. Um, you know, because of that, I still have, like, I still have a, a desire to do rent-to-owns when something like that pops up. Oh, yeah. You know, it's only like maybe once a year or so that sure. that right candidate pops up. Sure. But, um, but, yeah, so it just it started off really great, and then they took on... Um, a partner that was not so great that wanted to ramp things up and, and it just, the more they ramped it up, the more unethical it became. Uh, so it actually, uh, w- w- towards the end, it was just one of those things. They bought so many houses that they just had to put anybody in them. Mm-hmm. We were no longer finding solid candidates. I, I had some, you were abandoning the integrity. Yeah. The integrity of, was yeah. completely gone yeah. and, um, you know, they would just put anybody in there that could that showed up you know basically yeah, yeah. and so I, I remember there was there was one time toward the end like i took a phone call and the guy was asking about a house and you know so i asked a normal question like you know do you have money down do you have this many months of rent backed up do you, you know why is your credit score that low that sort of thing this guy was the worst candidate ever for a house he just should not be buying a house and one of the owners was just so desperate to get people in these houses. He, he comes by and he's like, here's this conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure this will work. And he's like, give me that phone. He takes the phone. He's just like, hey, man, just get get down here. I'll, I got a house for you. Just get just get on down here. It's like, well, I don't have a car. I can't get there. Well, well, well call a cab. Where are you at? Just call a cab. Get here. I'll pay for a cab. Just get down here. Yeah. And it was just like right. you are setting this guy up for failure. Yep. Like, yep. like he's just trying to get yep. any amount of money he can out of him, knowing yep. he's going to be evicted soon. So yeah. So once that happened, I was just like, I got it. Like, I got to get out of here. Sure. This is, this is bad. Sure. Um, yeah. So I left. I left at that point, and then um, you know, luckily I like I learned a lot about the investment side and. Um, the foreclosures and things like that. So, uh, so that actually that got me back on track to doing. So I'm hoping at this point in your professional development, you, you've realized it's not just driving around collecting checks. It is not just <laughs> driving around collecting checks. A little bit more than that. Uh, yeah. The first the first couple I did was uh, we flipped some houses. Sure. Um, so we we flipped a, a couple while I was starting out in real estate mm-hmm. uh, as a realtor. And so, so that went really well, and then we, we ended up adding the rental properties later on. But, sure. um, but actually, yeah, it just like I had no interest in being a realtor. Like never even, it just never crossed my mind sure. when I didn't want to do it. Yeah, uh, it just never crossed my mind. And then, well, it's what's in, it's so so interesting about the realtor career is that there's not you know an eight year old kid who is going to grow up to be a realtor. You yeah. Know, they, they want to be a fireman or <laughs> yeah. a lawyer or a doctor. Even my own daughter doesn't want to be a realtor. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not, it's not, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying anything negative about it. It's just it's just not one of those, like, traditional careers. Yeah, it's not traditional. Just, it's not super appealing. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. Just, you just don't think about it. Yeah. And, um, that's, and that, But that's what's so interesting about your story so far is that 
the the gym teacher and then the business degree and you're kind you're I mean like let's it sounds like you're just kind of following your heart like this yeah. is what I want to do this is what this is how I want to spend my time this is what I want to invest my time in and then you naturally fell into it yeah all right so sorry man keep going so you oh, yeah. you're with the the, the your your felt your former partners something's a little rotten you kind of feel like and I'm gonna bring back the passion thing because I, yeah. I feel like that is a characteristic that all successful realtors have to have a certain level of it's just that passion. And, and it sounds like you have a sense of empathy. Yeah, you could have made a, a close. You could have gotten a check, but you're ruining this poor yeah, soul's life. Yeah. Like you Already know clearly has a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and you just yeah. can't sleep at night knowing that I, you know, I, I did this. I allowed yeah. this to happen. Okay, so that's going on. Then what? Yeah, so we uh, so I leave there. Um, I actually did break down and got a real job. It was... It, it was strange. You sold out, man. I sold out. I sold out, and I went to uh, went and worked for Hewlett Packard, mm-hmm. and so I, I worked there. I had a couple friends that you know they helped me out. It was just like yeah, I just got like this job open. So yes, yeah, so I went there, but it was really interesting because I I had a good time there working there, uh, met a lot of great people, and you know and and people were just hearing about how I was buying these foreclosures. And so at this point, I still have my real estate license and it's, it's parked with another brokerage at this point. And so, yeah, people are just like, oh, well, I like, I want to buy my first house. Can you, can you help me buy a foreclosure? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I still was just kind of like, I didn't see myself as a realtor. I saw myself as an investor with a real estate license. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I can. And, you know, and I helped one and I helped another and, and, you know, and all of a sudden, at the end of my first year at HP, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, I made as much money as, you know, on this, like, realtor and investment side than I did actually at HP. Yeah. Um, and so going into my second year there, I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do. Like, you know, nice, you know, regular paycheck is nice, but if I could be spending this time working on the realtor side, I could probably do even better. Um, so it was actually, it was the, uh, so let me ask you something yeah. and, and, and it, it really goes back to once again, just your, your characteristics, you couldn't just be satisfied by working nine to five at Hewlett Packard and you, no. you work with nice people and yeah, you great get to, people. you get your weekend, my manager nights, was awesome, you get your holidays, <laughs> you probably could start building your benefits and yeah. if you work there two years, you probably get a bump in vacation and you probably you know what oh, I mean? yeah my friends still work there they're doing great <laughs> like <laughs> I, what, this is one of those times where i guess that me not a realtor not it's just not in my blood to, to have those characteristics i'm sitting here going right on i've, yeah. I've landed it I can, <laughs> now i have this job now i can build at this and i can hope yeah promoted within and i can start building my benefits and my 401k and i like the people i work with but you're unsatisfied and you're tasting that entrepreneurial, that, that real estate, that just that lifestyle, yeah. and then you decide, I'm going all in. Um, the decision was made for me, actually. Okay. So I, um, so I was getting married, and it was, uh, in case my wife is listening, that is June 21st, 2008. I do know our anniversary. Sure, you have it written down. Uh, right don't worry about it. She can't see that. <laughs> um so yeah, so it's it's actually it's it's three days before we're getting ready to get married, go on a honeymoon, do all that. And one of my friends that worked at HP with me, um, I took a few days off before the wedding, and so I wasn't at work. Well, while he you know was still going to work, they announced that they were doing away with our whole team. Wow! That they're just they're gonna turn that 
inside sales role into just automate it all through you know another tool and um you and you found this out during the whole getting married yeah so he so he came to me uh we we went and we we went we played frisbee golf the day before the wedding and uh so he's like hey man uh this (laughs) is my my buddy dan sandman he uh He's like, man, I've just I've really been debating whether to tell you this or not, because uh, I don't want to ruin your wedding. But you're getting ready to go on your honeymoon, and you know, I just I don't want you to go on your honeymoon and you know go spend like five hundred dollars to swim with the dolphins, and then you come <laughs> come yeah. home and find out don't you're getting you're getting laid off service. in a month. Yeah, yeah so right. he's, he's like, I just didn't want you to blow a bunch of money, and then you'd be like, oh, I wish I had known that before I went on my honeymoon. This is a good friend. This is a good so, friend. Yeah, so trying he, to look out for you. So he told me the day before I was getting married that I was getting laid off, and, and I was just, and he told me, I was like, yes! Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to be honest, I uh, thought she might take that news a little differently. I was like, damn, this is awesome. I have been wanting to quit working there like pursue real estate full-time and it was just hard to like make that like what day is it going to be like yeah. maybe, maybe i just work here one more week get that one more check yeah i was like that's exactly what i need so so i could have like reapplied for another position within the company and not actually got you know done all that and i was just like no like this is it you took I, it as a sign. Yeah, I took it as a sign. It's like I got I got one more month of like stacking up the paychecks, and then so I just got to ramp everything up in this time. Um, when did you tell your wife <laughs> before? The oh, that's a great question. When did <laughs> I think I also? Oh, by the way, I don't have a job. So I think I also anyway. told her that that day because I was so excited about getting yeah, laid off. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and when and, did you tell your in laws that you were? I'm just kidding. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> I'm they, just gonna keep going. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those things that yeah, I think I think I probably told her right away. And um, anyone that's met my wife, that yeah, they can tell you, she just she's absolutely amazing. And like I, I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for her, mm-hmm. because anyone else I would have potentially married sure. probably would not have had the faith in me. And the ability to take on risk yeah. on that, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we, we, the first flip we bought, we bought it without ever even looking at it. Um, you know, and she was just on board, just like, okay, well, I mean, you did the numbers. If you think it's right, and you know, go what with I mean, it. kudos to you for saying we, we, we. You know, it's not I, I, I. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a, it's a cooperative effort. And I mean, I, I don't know your wife, Joe. But I'm, you should I'm, meet I'm, her. She's awesome. I'll meet her. <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to speak on her character or her behalf. But I'm sure she just saw what made you happy and what you were good at, and believed in you, and was could read. Yeah. You, you know your body language when you told her, and, and trusted this is the yeah. right step for us. This and is the right step for yeah, us. Yeah. She's like, well, let's just let's figure it out. And um, thankfully, we're here today, and it sounds like we're here. It, was worked, the right it step. worked out. It yeah. worked out, and she yeah. is still that way. And it's uh, it it's um, yeah, it really messes with people on things because. You know, as a realtor, like we come across good deals, and, and sometimes it's something you got to pull the trigger on that day um, if you want an investment property. And so, there's been multiple occasions where I'm, uh, I come home and just like, so we may have bought a house today, sure. And um, you know, and she and she knows that if if we're if you know if we're buying it, and if I thought it, it was worth pulling the trigger on right there, 
I've done enough research on it to know mm-hmm. that it was good. It's not right. just a stupid gamble right. on it. Um, but yeah, thing. that takes a lot of yeah. It takes takes a lot of confidence and um, and yeah, just her her always being there and you know let's like I'm okay with living with less now, knowing what we're ultimately building sure, to. Sure. Um, not everybody could have done that. All right, well we're gonna take a quick break so that we can hear from the MyBoard updates. Hello everyone, this is Jamie Barb with the MyBoard Update. Join us Friday, March 6th from 9.30 to 11.30 to hear from the Director of Fair Housing Policy with the National Association of Realtors, Brian Green, as well as the Executive Director for the Fair Housing Center of Central Indiana, Amy Nelson, and learn more on how to embrace the Realtor's role of advancing fair housing. Register today at mybar.com slash raise the bar. Are Airbnbs here to stay in our industry? What characteristics should we look for in a property when it comes to deciding if we should invest? Did you know you need to replace the soap in your Airbnb? Join NextGen on Friday the 13th as we talk all things Airbnb. Last year, the National Association of Realtors created a new national policy called the Clear Cooperation Policy or Policy 8.0. The policy is to be adopted by every association. MyBoR will implement the new policy on April 14th. The intent of the new policy is to solidify the primary purpose of a listing service, which is to foster cooperation among brokers. In order to implement this mandatory policy, a few changes are coming to the BLC. You will find that committees, staff, and boards of directors have been careful to cause as little change as possible to our current roles. This new policy only impacts those listings where the seller has required that the listing agent withhold the property from the BLC. Visit MyBoard.com slash ClearCooperation to learn more. There you will find resources including a video from CEO Shelly Specchio, examples of public marketing, and a first look at the new office-exclusive disclosure form. Join us for the 2020 Real Estate Expo presented by IREBA on Thursday, March 19th. You won't want to miss this exciting vendor fair. Meet representatives from nearly 100 companies in everything home, real estate, and more. That's all for today on the MyBoR Update. And now, back to our interview. This is actually something I was thinking of this morning, is how important would you say, it, when you're being, uh, you know, going all in on this industry, how important is it to understand the, the long game? You know, the long-term Very important. of time for the, the payoff that's not going to happen at the end of the month. We're yeah. talking year, two years. Uh, yeah. How important is it to understand that right out of the gate? Um, I think it's re- really important on that. And, you know, a good example of that is just you need to understand, like, nurturing those relationships now. And, that, and that's why the people that I think do really well in real estate that that other agents look at or people outside of real estate look at are like, how are they doing so good um, it doesn't seem like there's anything really special about them, yep. but they just do such a good job of taking care of their clients and nurturing that relationship. Like a, a genuine relationship. A genuine relationship yeah. with them. With that, real trust, real integrity. Yeah. Real, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's one of those things that if you're, you know, if you start out as a realtor at 23 years old and, you know, you sell a house to another 23-year-old, if you do a great job with them and you build that relationship and that trust, you know, you may do five more deals with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably going to sell in a few years and then they're going to sell again and again. And, you know, and all of a sudden that, 
you know, that friendship that you developed there early on and just going out of your way to take care of them, yep. it may have been a three or $4,000 commission there, but if you look over the long term, yep. uh, you know, like benefit of doing good up front there, yeah. you know, that could, that could get you $50,000 over your career or yeah. more. And, it, and it's tough to, it's tough to quantify it at the time. Yeah. It's yeah. tough to like put it in black and white, but it is there. Yeah. You are planting that seed of it, investment of. And it would be really interesting to see, like, just take one buyer and mm -hmm. just be like, okay, like, I did a great job a for them. Yeah. Draw a diagram. Yeah. Be yeah. like, okay, I helped them with three houses mm -hmm. and then their cousin bought a house and their friend that they referred is just all of a sudden like, you know, because I took a genuine interest in them and really looked out for their well-being, it spawned $60,000. Yep. Whereas you see a lot of these people will come into real estate that... Well, man, I'm sorry, man, but let's go back to that that person who wanted to rent the house who wasn't financially stable. Yeah, yeah. You do that, that person has a miserable experience, mm -hmm. you know, has, you know, doesn't doesn't land the, the American dream of homeownership. Yeah. Everything will, your name, your name is yeah, going to go back, like, and he's going to go back and do yeah, the exact don't ever opposite. Use this guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you got that check, <laughs> but man, talk about the long game. I mean, it is just yeah. a festering it, it, negative. Yeah, and you really do have to just see it, just the long game on it, and see, see that out there. And, and like I said, it, it comes from being genuinely good to people, mm -hmm. um, because there, there are some realtors that you see out there that just, they do a phenomenal job with marketing themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're just everywhere. But if you look at the repeat business that they have, it's very little because they do an amazing job of getting new business, but none of it comes back. So they have to spend another $5,000 that yeah. next month to get that new business. So, yeah, so when you go down, you know, 10 years down the road, you got that amazing marketing person that's not genuinely trying to help their clients out and do the best for them. You know, you've got them, you know, maybe they're doing $10 million a year, but they're spending, you know, $5,000 a month. And then you've got this other person who just isn't, you know, just seems like they're doing nothing. Yeah. Also making $10 million, or not making $10 million a year, but, you know, selling $10 million a year. And and it's all just repeat and referrals, and just, and they don't spend anything on marketing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's a lot of what it is. Just, just you know, even if your business is slower in the beginning, you're just starting out. Go just completely over the top to take care of your clients, and it will just keep compounding and compounding. Well, and I th I want to go back to what you you just said about almost like two different types of success. Yeah. On paper, both of these realtors are successful, but there's more below the surface of that 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 genuine full relationships having that and then that person who's just a great marketer and, yeah. and just getting that deal you know on the outside looking in it just looks like two equally successful mm -hmm. realtors but there's more to it yeah and, and like you said though there's real financial numbers because that person person a had to invest so much in marketing to get their relationships to get, get that, yeah. those opportunities whereas person b had that built-in genuine you know good reputation yeah that they were able to get it i think that's such an interesting point it's made. yeah it's really and and there's definitely a room you know for that marketing sure you know, oh yeah I, of course you know, there's yeah. definitely room yeah. for that especially yeah. early on like yeah. you, if you want to spend five thousand dollars a month yeah. and build that up you know, your business is going to grow a lot faster but you also have to build those relationships so that you can turn off that marketing at any point yeah and i think that's the difference is you yeah. know are you 
can you turn off that marketing and your business continue to be where it is? Yeah. Or as soon as you turn off that marketing, does everything die because nobody really liked you that much to yeah, come sure. back to you? Like, sure. like sure. maybe you did a great job with the contracts and all that, you know, stuff, but you, you just, you weren't, you know, you weren't showing them houses and being like, hey, I know you love this house, but you, know, you told me that your kids just absolutely love playing basketball. Mm-hmm. This this driveway is way too slanted to ever put a basketball goal here. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you should buy the house mm-hmm. because there's no park around for basketball mm-hmm. and there's nowhere to put a basketball goal for your kids. Let's yep. keep looking. Yep. Like, that's going to be the difference between a genuine realtor that cares about their clients yep. and somebody that's just doing just the, you know, the turn and burn, just bringing, yeah. bringing new people in. They're going to be like, all right, it's the neighborhood you want, it's the price you want, it's the bedrooms you want. Makes sense. Let's get the contract written yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so that's the difference in it, but and and both can be very successful. It's just a matter of what you're looking to do with your time and your money and yeah. how you feel about it. So let's go back and and I and I think you kind of touched on it because you know there's this sphere of influence and you're at HP and you said you were having coworkers uh, offering you their business to find foreclosed yeah. homes and things like that. So that's like your first ring. You know, so you you got that on lockdown. But if you're gonna go all in and make a career out of this, you got to go to that outer ring. Yeah. So give me a, a a story of that first time that you think you were able to really make a, a successful run at that second ring and and really kind of hit your rhythm as a career realtor. That HP yeah. paycheck isn't there anymore. Yeah, this that's is it. You got a wife. You got a family. You got, you know, you're building a life yeah. now. You need that business. So do you remember that moment where you kind of we're driving back from the transaction and telling yourself, I think I've hit my rhythm. I think that this is a career that I can go you know, all I, in on. I think it was it was probably a few years afterwards because I so I got my license in two thousand six. Um, you know, I was working in HP that two thousand seven part of two thousand eight. Uh, so really, a lot of it was um, you know we always kept our living expenses super low. Sure. So even then, I was kind of like, well, I'm a realtor now, but I still saw myself as a realtor slash investor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of my plan in that was like, you know, if I can flip a house a year, two houses a year, I only have to make like $15,000 or $20,000 as a realtor. Sure. And and I'll be perfectly fine on all my expenses and everything. And and so, yeah, so I, I don't feel like I really hit my like groove there until like 2010 where it I had enough of people I helped that were clients and people once again seeing the flips we were doing that now people were starting to be referred to me Um, and some of those friends that I helped buy in 2007 you know they they got a great deal and they were able to turn around and sell it in 2010 2011 make a lot of money and and that just made it exponentially grow as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of it did just kind of organically grow to where I don't feel like there was any brilliant move that I can pinpoint, you know, pinpoint yeah. and be like, oh, I was such a genius because I did this at that point. Right, right, right. Um, I think it just organically grew, and the key to it was we did such a good job of keeping our living expenses low that we were able to let it organically grow like that and that just goes into that playing that long game yeah playing that long game of yeah being smart with your money and, and budgeting and really just being very modest about yeah. what you can and can't and do I, and i think that's the key for 
a lot of realtors. Like, if there was anything I could I could do as far as speaking to realtors, um, like I've been asked to talk on a couple panels on things, and you know, it's always been about like inspection responses, you know, how to handle those, or how to handle the changing market, you know, things like that. But honestly, like one of my passions on it is just like budgeting for realtors because mm-hmm. it's you know we're in a great market right now. Realtors are making a good amount of money. You know, a lot of it, a lot of them more than they ever thought they were going to make. And you know, and some of that is in line with the growth that they've been doing it for a few years. But then others, it's like. You know, you you made fifty thousand dollars or less for years, and now all of a sudden we're in this amazing market. You're making a hundred thousand dollars. It's kind of too early to tell. Are you making a hundred thousand dollars because you've reached that point in your career and you're yeah. that great? Yeah. Or are you making a hundred thousand dollars temporarily because the market's so good? Right. Um, it's it's important to distinguish. The two. Yeah, you gotta yeah. Fi- yeah you gotta figure that out yeah. and you know and kind of work on those projections of like what to expect. And the thing that really scares me is just watching realtors that are buying, you know, homes with thirty year loans based off of two years of income, even though there's no other income that's ever been close to that for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and same thing, cars. You know, buy you know seven year you know, car loans because they had two really good years. And I would like to say that you seem like a very calculated risk taker. Very. <laughs> like yes. you're not just like, I'm just gonna jump oh, up this, yeah. this, this bridge. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> measure the physics and the dynamics to make sure that I'm gonna land okay in the water before I jump off said bridge. Yeah. I'm still gonna jump off of it, but I need to make sure yes. I've calculated all the variables that I it, can control before I make the and, yeah. and I mean and there's a lot of people who don't realize. There's sure, a lot of people that, you know, they sure. see the purchases that we make. They see the, you know, with the homes that we, you know, buy for flips and they see stuff and they're just like, oh, you're such a risk taker. You like, I would never do that. We, you know, we travel to some different places that a lot of people don't normally go to. And, uh, you know, but we look a lot into all of this stuff to, to where, you know, people look at us and think that we're just making that decision like that and just going, you know, or just like buying a house without ever really thinking about it. Right. Like, oh, I could never take that risk. Uh, but yeah, but we put a, there's a lot of calculations that go into it of yeah. like, all right, what's the risk reward here? How many things have to go bad for this situation to yeah. not work out? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, as far as the finances go though, I just, you know, I, I would like to be able to speak to realtors, you know, maybe that's new realtors coming up or whatever, just be like, you know, figure out what's the lowest your family can live off of and really create your budget around that. Yeah. And, you know, if you make more than that, awesome. Put some in savings, like put some in an emergency fund, maybe use the extra to bump it up. And, you know, now now instead of living off of 40000 a year, you can live off 50000 a year because you got this. And, um, and, yeah, just it scares me. Some of the people I see is just a living... Within their means now, but if we do have any sort of a market correction or anything, it's going to quickly turn bad. And, yeah. you know, just don't don't want to see that happen to anyone yeah. over some, you know, misbudgeting. Well, and I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking running parallel with what you're saying is there's this uh, NFL 30, 30, ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, yeah. and it's called Broke, and it's about professional players. And they, they have this financial planner talking, and he says... You got these 25-year-old guys, they live like they're going to be making 
ten million dollars a year for the rest yeah. of their life. They're not, but they don't understand that you're only making ten million dollars a year right now. Like yeah. you need to live like you're. You need to break it down and understand this money flow. Because one one day that ten million dollars isn't going to be yeah, there anymore. Especially in football, like that ten million yeah. can end like it's not tomorrow. Yeah. None of that. Yeah, none we'll of talk about good. like the especially the realtor, like the market being kind to you and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So you're, you're you're hitting it while it's hot. Yeah, I mean sports would be no different. I mean, yeah. it's just the game's being kind to you right now. You might blow out your knee, and the game's not so kind to you anymore. Yeah, it changes very quickly. Yeah, just it. like us, the market might crash tomorrow and. You know, yeah, it's all, not kind to you anymore. Yeah, all of a sudden that yeah, you know, that agent got up to hundred thousand yeah, exactly. dollars. They're back down making like forty or fifty and yeah. it's like Whoops. Oh, wait a second. How, how do, you I got know, some plate spinning that needs that. Yeah, yeah, how do I you know, how do I pay for this house now? Now I can't sell this house because the market's down yeah. and it's yeah, there's just there's a lot of a lot of risk that goes into it and you know, and hopefully in Indiana, hopefully our you know, market's gonna be a little bit more stable than sure. anyone else. But so, yeah. but it's still it's a risk I'm not worth yeah. willing yeah. to take on it. Yeah. So. yeah. so you've been in it a little over maybe like 13 years, is that right? Yeah, right about 13 years, yeah. So it sounds like you, you kind of found your rhythm at 2010, so you have 10 years of being a career realtor. How do you define your success? In, like, what does it mean to me to be yeah, successful? Yeah, like, in, 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 I mean... There's no 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 need to be modest. You yeah. Don't need, I mean, it can say because you're making X. Not and you don't need to say how much. Yeah. But, you know, to be financially comfortable um, or to feel like, uh, you you know, yeah. you, you said you and your wife had that moment where you both were pinching pennies because you needed to you know make it on the long game. Yeah. And you feel like you don't need to live like that. And and, and, and yeah, no, and it's... it can be very personal or spiritual that you know I I get to feel like I think it's I think it's a combination of yeah. the personal. And, you know, just kind of the personal feelings on it and numbers. Um, so for me, honestly, like any time I'm over $7 million in sales in a year, I, I feel like I did a great job. Like that's, it's a, that's a good number. Um, you're, doing, you're doing pretty well at that. You've helped a lot of families out that. Um, and let me, and I also want you to factor in another thing is – 18-year-old Joe wanted to go and, and become a, a PE teacher and was following passion and integrity and empathy. Is he proud of you today? Do you feel like what you're doing today, you're able to kind of check that box as well? Of, yeah. Of following think, passion and empathy and integrity. I think so. And, yeah, I think because, uh, you know, we probably could ramp up our business even more. Yeah. But there's always that fine line of, how do I keep a personal touch on everything with everybody? Yeah. Um, and also leaving time for, you know, things I want to do and my family and stuff like that. So, well, I, and man, this, so I think that's the definition of the success in there. And what you're saying is exactly like we were talking about at the beginning where we were talking about the the NFL and should it become a, a, a global event. And yeah. it's like, well, let's not forget what made it great in the first place. Yeah. How yeah. it got popular, how it found its success was being that game and building, building, building. Exactly like you, how you got to where you are is being that that customer service, passionate, empathetic guy and building, building, building. So now's not the time to completely yeah. change your game yeah. plan and Reroute. just abandon everything <laughs> that made you, you know, that helped you get to where you, you got. You can't yeah. forget where your roots. And that's, um, yeah, so I think that's I think that's a big thing on you. Know, we, we have other goals of what we're trying to do as far as growing our business and are we still talking about you and your wife or partners in this yeah yeah so actually um 
So my wife, she just started working with me about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was uh, very involved on the flip side and doing the updates on homes and she can do, she tile floors, do all kinds of stuff. So she was very involved in that stuff. As far as the actual realtor side of things, she just came on uh, about three years ago to do, um, to be like transaction coordinator Mm -hmm. slash marketing, you know, that sort of role. Yeah. Um, So it was, it was, it was, uh, I was absolutely losing my mind at that seven to 8 million a year mark, doing it all on my own. Uh, you know, just crazy hours trying to keep up all that. Uh, she was a nurse, decided and she, she went into the management side of nursing, absolutely hated that. Oh, yeah. It was like, I, I just need to get back to nursing. I need to take a break. And I was like, you know, I need to hire an assistant. Take like a month off of nursing. Let me train you so I can like practice training an assistant. Um, and you can get away from nursing for a little bit and go back to that. I'll know how to train an assistant. And then she she, she absolutely loved it. She we loved worked, it. Yeah, she loved it. She we loved worked it. well together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that first year that she came on, we jumped from $7 million to like $10 million. And I felt like I had all the time in the world, like just all the things she was able to take care of behind the scenes. Uh, it was, yeah, it was amazing on that. So, so yeah, so we've, we've got numbers that we would like to get to. Just for the sake that I, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I like, sure? I like to be able to always be improving and things like that. Yeah. Um, you didn't become the greatest dodgeball player in the country overnight. Uh, according to that, my mom, uh, my mom was pulled, and only my mom was pulled the greatest <laughs> dodgeball player in the country. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to have that drive sure. to to always want to be bettering yourself and you know, and getting just the most you can out of every experience and situation. And so, yeah, so we really have a hard time uh, with that, though. Like, we want to grow the numbers, but we also, we don't want to completely change our business model to where um, we grow a large real estate team and, and pass off the leads, because uh, the majority of our leads are still past clients, friends, One-on-one. family, or referrals, yeah. like, you need to work with Joe. Um, so I know there's a way we could create a team and pass them off, but but for right now, I just, I still feel comfortable me having a one-on-one relationship with all of them. Well, and I feel like you, you have a career of, of walking that line, walking that line of, of, of understanding the importance of marketing, but also the, the, the importance of understanding, you know, intimate uh, relationships. Yeah. And, then, and I feel like, and, and taking a risk, but calculating all the variables that you can control and just making sure you're always walking that line of, of never being too extreme in one direction yeah. or the other. And, and that's, it, I feel like that's kind of been your story. It's just kind yeah, of... Yeah, and it, and it gets tricky because you see things that work. Yeah, I see these marketing things at work, and like I get kind of excited about it, and then I'm like, well, my biggest fear is that it'll work. Yeah. Like, what, it, what if it works, and what if 20 people do call me tomorrow? Yeah. Like, I don't have a way to process 20 people effectively yeah. into like the machine of how we do things. Sure. Um, cause it could be, you know, we could close all 20 of those deals, but at the end of the day, are all 20 of them going to be like, I worked with Joe Gray and it was yeah, awesome. Right. Or are they going to be like, I mean, I guess he was never okay. Never even met the guy. Never, never met Yeah, him. never met him. Or the, when he, I signed. He, he yeah, he, he was okay. I mean, yeah. nothing amazing. I mean, he got us the house, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I want to, I want to make sure that what we're doing, like everybody's leaving with a great experience. You know, if we have client appreciation parties, I want people to be 
extremely excited to come to them, like yeah. to come to hang out with you know yeah. friends and yeah. to do that. So, so calculating risk, but you have to know when to go all in. Playing dodgeball, the ball rolls in the middle of the court. Some poor guy doesn't see you standing out the window, <laughs> yeah. goes to pick it up. That's the time. Just to light him up. Light him up. Just light him up. Light him up. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yes. Joe Gray with HomeWise Realty. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. the invite. Yeah, you're welcome.